This is Dan from Burlington, Vermont, and now I'm tuning in to the new TNN. Pop Culture Addicts, welcome back to the new TNN. It's Johnny C, as usual, and we're back for another edition of Junk Man, the show where we take a look at uh, some cinema that hasn't uh, had the best reputation in its history, and we watch it, and uh, we come up with a theory. Is it junk, or is it not junk? Uh, but as always, thanks for joining us here on the new TNN. Uh, let's go ahead and get started because I don't want to waste any time because we've got a doozy on this one. Now, it's sort of a throwback. Now, how could you say, Johnny C., it's only the fourth episode of Junk Man. How could you already be doing a throwback? Because we've got another movie centered around the world of martial arts. And we've, as we did with Three Ninjas, I do it at Mega Mountain. And we've got a return to the silver junk screen. I'll keep it a surprise for now. But today, we're going to take a look at Street Fighter, The Legend of Chun-Li, the unrated edition. Ooh, saucy, because that's what's streaming on HBO Max. You know, this film sort of reeks of, really, you think this is a good idea? Well, we're going to find out today if it was a good idea. Now, it comes from 2009, and it's directed by Andrzej Bartokowiak. Look, I I apologize. I don't want to sound like a fucking typical American. This gentleman's name is difficult to pronounce. uh, And I apologize, Mr. Sir. Uh, However, let's let's go to the filmography. Because film is a universal language. This is the director of such films as Exit Woods. Starring Steven Seagal. Cradle to the Grave. Also with Steven Seagal, question mark? I can't remember. Doom, starring Carl Urban. And my personal favorite of all films he's directed, a movie that I will freely admit I saw in theaters four times, paying the full ticket price each time, Jet Li's epic, Romeo Must Die. First you gotta crawl, then I'm gonna walk. Then I'm going to stand, then I'm going to talk. But I got to learn in order to teach. Then I got to burn in order to reach. Oh, man. I embarrassingly loved Romeo Must Die so goddamn much. It is awful. It is so not good, and I will freely admit it. But I'm here to tell you I was a big fan. I thought Jet Li was the second coming. I thought Wire Fu was going to rule the world. And sure, it ruled the action world for some time. But I was a big fan of Wire Fu. Now, this film has a hell of a cast. We've got starring in the star-making performance as Chun-Li, the fucking street fighter herself, Kristen Kruik. Kruk. Kristen Kruk. You know what, Kristen? I don't know how to say your name. But at least you avoided the sex cult known as Nexium. Okay? Uh, this is the gal from Smallville who played Lana Lang and was friends with that girl Chloe that ran the newspaper at Small in Smallville. Not even Superman could save Kristen from making the choice to appear in this film, but she's here nonetheless. Up next, Neil McDonough as M. Bison. You might know Neil McDonough from 
CW shows just like Kristen. I believe he was on uh, Legends of Tomorrow playing a really obscure DC Comics villain uh, whose name I don't even fucking remember because I don't watch that shit. Up next, slumming it here, Oscar nominee Michael Clark Duncan as Balrog, legendary boxer from the world of Street Fighter. You know, I always thought Taboo was just one of the tabs I don't click on on Pornhub. But no, Taboo is also the name of the gentleman that plays Vega, the masked Spaniard who's in love with his own face, also from Street Fighter. So far, all of our characters that we've mentioned are Street Fighter characters from Street Fighter 2 and onward. But up next, we've got Ken, played by Robin Shu, who appeared in Street Fighter 1. Whoa! Who's ever played Street Fighter 1? Not me. Even I haven't played it. But he also appeared in the Street Fighter Alpha series. None of this stuff's important, but I thought I'd mention it for all the Street Fighter fans out there. I like Street Fighter. I'm not competitive, so who cares? Because if you're not competitive, it doesn't really matter anymore. Nobody plays that shit casually. And finally, the big and here, ladies and gentlemen, making his return to Junkman as Charlie from Street Fighter Alpha, or... Nash from this movie, or Charlie Nash, Interpol agent, Rollerballs, Chris Klein. Oh, Chris, thank you so much for agreeing to come back to Junk Man. You are my hero. Let's talk about the plot, and then we'll get into this fucking movie. <laughs> when a teenager, Chun Li, witnesses the kidnapping of her father by wealthy crime lord M. Bison. When she grows up, she goes into a quest for vengeance and becomes the famous crime fighter of the Street Fighter universe. This is 2009, so kudos to having Street Fighter universe in there because the Marvel Cinematic Universe was less than a year old. So, a lot of foresight here. It's just unfortunate this Street Fighter Cinematic Universe didn't really get to kick in. Now, there have been Street Fighter films before, and I'm sure someday there'll be another one. You might remember Street Fighter from such films as... Street Fighter, which came out in 94, I believe, and while cartoony, ridiculous, and having nothing to do with Street Fighter, they at least found a way to get everybody from the game into the movie, with one notable exception, that of course being Fei Long. Uh, never figured out why they just didn't name Captain Sawada Fei Long. Like, I don't understand. It didn't make any goddamn sense to me. Because by the time Street Fighter the film came out, they had already done Super Street Fighter 2, the new challengers, which added DJ, Maximum, Kami, Fei Long, and T-Hawk. And of course, T-Hawk and Kami are in the movie. I mean, hell, that's Guile's crew. It's crazy. Most of the fucking military is made up of the new challengers. Uh, and of course, DJ became a legendary hacker capable of hacking the net that we uh, saw a little bit of in uh, Three Digits High Noon at Mega Mountain. There was also an awesome Street Fighter II animated movie that came out on VHS here in the States in two versions, the PG-13 version and then the Chun-Li Takes a Shower version. I absolutely owned the Chun-Li Takes a Shower version, thank you very much. And it had an awesome fucking soundtrack with Korn and Silverchair and fucking uh, Alice in Chains. Actually, I do like Alice in Chains. Corn, not so much. Silverchair, whatever. But man, it had a badass score. And it had awesome fucking fireballs, Hadoukens, and sonic booms, and all sorts of shit. So, I do recommend that movie highly. I don't know if it ages well, 
but considering what we were clamoring for at the time and the resources available at my disposal as a kidster, I'll take it. Now, in the games, Chun-Li is usually depicted as an Interpol agent whose father was killed by Bison. So, we've got a little bit of synergy here. Of course, famously, in the uh, in the original versions of Street Fighter, uh, the boxer is named M. Bison, and the general that we know as M. Bison is usually Vega. And Vega is usually uh, Balrog and Sagat. Well, he's always Sagat. But who's paid attention at home? Who really cares? It's just hilarious that this tradition continues because M. Bison, for a black boxer in the late 80s slash early 90s, I mean, it makes sense. You don't want to get sued. Uh, But whatever, I digress. I just think it's hilarious they still keep M. Bison as the thing. So we start with a beautiful shot of San Francisco. And hey, San Francisco, SF, Street Fighter, SF. I like the brand synergy here. First sign of a great film, voiceover narration. It's Chun-Li as an adult. She says, sometimes I wonder how I got to be the way I am. Every father has dreams for their little girl. All right, well, now that just sounds creepy, but nonetheless, she dreams of being a concert pianist. But life never turns out the way you expect. When we moved to Hong Kong, everything changed. We smash cut to a plane flying over Hong Kong. And I will say, Hong Kong looks beautiful here on film. But how do we tarnish these beautiful images you've captured with your camera lens, good sir? We transition to an animated scroll like a scroll from ancient times like oh i found the scroll that teaches me the secret art of fucking the sonic boom and it unravels shittily to a fucking awful animated street fighter the legend of chun Li logo now the street fighter logo stands out to me because it's the exact same logo they used to promote street fighter 4 which means this must have come out around the time of street fighter 4 she then says, that being Chun-Li in the voiceover, as we get a shot of her beautiful new beachfront house in Hong Kong. My father was an import businessman. Now, the closed captions told me that what she actually said was my father was an important businessman. But something about the way that Miss Kristen pronounces important, she says, my father was an important businessman. Like, the A-N-T is barely there. So I'm wondering if Mr. Lee is an importer, exporter. You know, he's thinking about quitting the importing business and focusing solely on the exporting. But alas, he's just an important businessman. I love the vagueness here. And look, little Chun-Li sees her dad practicing some martial arts. And I don't think there's ever been a kid actress that grew up to look less like the person that would play her as an adult than the person they picked to play little Chun-Li. But whatever. Chun-Li is interested in what daddy's doing. Daddy says, you move quietly, but it could be better. So come, let's learn some wushu via the power of montage. And he does. He teaches her kung fu via a montage. He was very proud of me, Chun-Li says. How does she know this? She's making some pretty big assumptions here. But during this training montage, I see Neri a lightning kick. I don't hear, yeah, 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 yeah. I don't see spinning bird kick. And she certainly doesn't throw a kyokin fireball. So what's the deal here, Pops? Does the good shit cost extra? Anywho, 
Growing up was like a dream. Oh, must be nice, Chun-Li. Must be really nice. You know what? This girl deserves the terrible adulthood that she will suffer moving from street fight to street fight with a nomad-type existence because she had quite a sheltered life as a kidster. But nothing lasts forever. Oh, okay. Maybe the, maybe the childhood wasn't all uh, wide, wide and roses. Maybe some of it was beard pizza. One night, Dad came home, and he had the classic, vague movie briefcase handcuffed to his hand. He takes it off and goes looking for something in the fridge, and we cut to what is best described as arrow time, meaning it's bullet time, but it's an arrow. It's Balrog! Balrog shot the arrow. So is he an archer now instead of a boxer? Is this some sort of crazy revisionist history? Is he the Black Arrow? Anywho, Michael Clark Duncan... Playing Balrog, bursted through the wall, absolutely slumming it. This man was nominated for an Oscar. Now, I know it's Balrog, because I know it's Balrog, but Mr. Lee makes sure to yell, Balrog, off camera. It's awful ADR to pop the nerds in the audience. Balrog here does at least have on gloves, and he punches really hard, because when he punches Mr. Lee, the wire foo fighting team is ready to pull him across the entire room. God in heaven, Mr. Chun-Li does a CGI-assisted jump onto the shoulders of Balrog, and Balrog just does the airplane spin, go round and round, like the comical airplane spin. Some thugs arrive, and I will say, Mr. Lee does a pretty boss move where he takes a bottle of fucking champagne and hits it cork first, the bottom pops out and sprays this thug with alcohol. And also Mr. Lee as well, to a certain extent. Now, what Mr. Lee does with this alcohol-related maneuver is he puts his own hand over a candle. Mr. Lee's entire fucking arm, including his suit, engulfed in flames. He touches the chain that the thug that got sprayed is using. The fire spreads across the chain and spreads to the thug, because remember, he was sprayed all over. And this dude just ignites, and we're roasting marshmallows on this guy. Now, it's pretty cool, I will say. It was unexpected. I, I didn't expect this to happen at all, but I got a big problem. If Mr. Chun-Li's hand isn't a tub of goo after this fight, it's a big cinematic problem. Okay. Now, Mr. Lee, his own hand and arm are eventually extinguished, and he gets caught by Balrog. We get a nice, beautiful close-up of Mr. Lee. Not only are both of his hands completely fine, there's no char, there's no black marks, and his suit, untouched by flame. You know what? I don't even care. I'm going to allow it. It's fucking just ridiculous enough to be perfect. Chun-Li comes down the steps, and Balrog grabs her and says, Where are you going? Where do you think she was going, Balrog? She's coming down the steps. And then, ladies and gentlemen, I can't even describe this. Well, I can't describe. I'm going to try to describe it, but please hear my words. After Balrog grabs little Chun-Li and says, Where are you going? There's an what I could best be described as an evil gust of wind on the soundtrack. And Chun-Li's hair even blows thanks to some CGI. And it's just, it's the most evil sounding gust of wind. Like, whoo! The camera tilts a little to the right. And there is a gentleman in a suit that has entered the building. I guess that's what caused the evil wind gust. This man is identified as Bison. It is, I guess, this movie's version of Bison. He's just blonde hair, Neil McDonough, in a business suit. 
He starts to talk, and my God, he's Irish. Is this Mick Bison? Is this that special sandwich that comes to McDonald's once a year that everybody loves? Uh, yeah, let me get a McBison with cheese. Oh, we got a special. They're two for ten. Oh, okay. Uh, let me get two McBisons. You know, they're not around all the time. I can splurge a little. Fuck me sideways. Now, <laughs> Bison, of course, sees Chun-Li here, and he does the creepy bad guy in a movie touch the little girl's hair. So, okay. As he touches little Chudley's hair, I think I heard a lion roaring on the film soundtrack. <laughs> and he's like, okay, lassie, I think it's time for you to go to bed. Your daddy and I, we've got some business to conduct. Uh, he, and Chudley takes a really long time to go up the steps, so long that Bison says, go on. Bye-bye. Night-night. And, and, of course, I mean, they take Mr. Chun-Li. They're, they're throwing him in a limo. Uh, Chun-Li's looking out the window, and her mom's like, Hey, don't kidnap my husband! Mom takes a punch to the gut, double dragon style. So now we're just stealing from other video games. Chun-Li watches the whole thing, and then she lays down in her bed and looks at the necklace her dad gave her to, I guess, soothe her and help her fall asleep. She tells us, via a flashback, because her dad gives her the necklace, this is the spinning bird necklace. Okay. Okay. If you're going to give her special movement origin, I'll go with you on this journey. What's the spinning bird necklace all about? The bird can't defend itself, so when under duress, it remains in motion. So she spins the spinning bird necklace, and sure enough, it's just a bird flapping his wings. She's so mesmerized by this spinning bird necklace, though, she becomes a concert pianist who looks like the girl from Smallville sometime in the future. I guess it's just a flash forward. I mean, this is the future. We're now at the timeline of the movie. Now, she's playing the piano with her back to the crowd, and it's awful green screen. There's clearly just her on a fucking loading dock somewhere, I guess. And she's doing some awful piano acting. Not so much with the hands, because you're not really seeing them, but with the face. Like, she's like convulsing and pulsating with the music and I understand if you're into it you're into it but this is a bad piano she's not even convulsing with the tones of the of the notes she doesn't like speed up in tempo with her face motions and convulsions as the tempo of the song flares up it's just really bad I'm imagining she's dreaming of papa we cut to the dressing room after the show. Some girl's there, and she's like, Well, no wonder nobody played with you at Juilliard. You're so good. You always get the flowers. Is your mom still sick? Oh, I'm sorry. Hey, I almost forgot. This came for you. Ladies and gentlemen, the girl in the dressing room hands Chun-Li a scroll. Not a scroll that's in a box that she has to open. Not a scroll that's in, like, a giant envelope that she has to open just a scroll an ancient chinese scroll how did this shit go through the mail system in a hong kong was it just dropped off on the steps i don't understand but i want to know more about the traversing led like how did the scroll get here i have to fucking know she unravels the scroll wouldn't you know and what do you think happens on the soundtrack as she unravels the score you think we maybe get some harp maybe another lion roar nope we get some mortal kombat-esque chanting ladies and gentlemen i'm not one to fucking trade in stereotypes but it looks like this movie is so we're in for quite a journey here on junk man
Chun-Li needs to head home after the crazy night at the piano recital. You know, playing for a huge crowd, getting handed a mysterious scroll. It's, it's, a, it's a tough day. So she takes the subway, and I gotta tell you, it's a beautiful-looking subway. I don't know much about uh, Bangkok or Hong Kong or anything like that, but this is a really swank-looking subway. Of course, a dude's randomly getting mugged in the middle of the railway, or not the railway, but like of the landing platform. And, and they all, these thugs take whatever they wanted from this person and they leave. Chun-Li runs up and looks at this old man, or this guy, and she goes to, to like see if he's okay. And she yells, is anyone going to help this man? And then the, the score gets really ominous, like, oh, and like she looks everywhere and, and everyone's just ignoring her. All we're missing is Keenan Ivory Waynes in a post office outfit saying, message. Uh, but I want to know why Chun-Li is not doing anything to help. I mean, she's quick to throw shade at those who refuse to help, but what is she really offering this mysterious beat-up stranger? She does notice he has a spider web tattooed on his hand, so that's important for later. Back at home, her mom is in bed with some vague medical problems. She's got tubes attached to her and shit. Uh, the news is on, in English, for some reason. Crime continues to rise in all of Southeast Asia. No one knows who is responsible. Well, thank you for the vague, uninformed information news. I'll catch you again at 11. Mom's like, you took your piano dress off. I wanted to see you in it. And I bet you took the subway, too. Chun-Li, why do you live life so dangerously? Well, I mean, if the streets are so mean and she's wearing this fancy piano dress, don't you think someone would mug her to maybe take it or do something worse? God help us. Mom doesn't have the good ideas here. Mama, we can't just change our lives every time the news tells us so. Well, Chun-Li, I mean, there are certain pieces of information you could get from the news that may give you some good advice and some changes you should make. See, Chun-Li is just a pampered brat here. I got no respect for her at this point. Meanwhile, in a secret fortress that I guess tries to look like Bison's Temple Stage from Street Fighter 2... We get some on-screen text. According to the on-screen text, we actually hear the typing noises as well. This is Shadowloo headquarters in Bangkok, Thailand. So, Shadowloo. Well, it's been a country in the Street Fighter 94 film. It was a crime syndicate in the animated film. And here, Shadowloo is an investments firm. Bum, bum, bum. Mick Bison has all the leaders sitting down here for dinner. He pulls an NWO and gives a speech like, we are in control. We're taking over, man. All the other guys refuse to pledge loyalty and leave. The camera zooms in on Bison as they all leave. And I swear to God, once again, the lion roars off camera. They're all leaving. And suddenly, a shadowy figure with a mask pops into the frame. It's Vega! You know, because he's from Spain, according to the game. Now, we cut back to Bison, and he just has himself a casual murder dinner as he, you know, slowly cuts his meat and, you know, spreads out his napkin and drinks some champagne with his pinky up. And in the soundtrack, we hear, Slice! Slice! Blood! Slice! You know, because Vega's just casually murdering everybody off screen. But this is done to let us know that Bison is evil. I mean, how could he possibly have a casual fancy dinner experience while listening to the sounds of murder? Well, luckily, Balrog comes in 
gives Bison a flash drive before the scene can end. The next day, at Bangkok Harbor, we see a bunch of police officers investigating like a crate, and a babe rolls up on a motorcycle. It's Detective Maya, who is not a character from the games. She's, I guess, kind of a main character in this movie. Why not just use a character from the game? Cammy, for one. I mean, I'm just saying, you've already got all these crazy American people in Asia taking care of business. Is there one person who's actually from this area of the country that has a lead role in this film? I mean, seriously, it's all just white dudes and girls. Well, I guess Kristen has some hair, Chinese heritage. I don't know. It's irrelevant. It doesn't matter. So, uh, they're inve- the cops and Detective Maya are looking here. I guess all the dead bodies that Vega cut up are here at the pier. And a, uh, well, uh, a car speeds up to the murder scene with a flashing light on it. And some bombastic music is played. You know, I can't do it justice. We're about to be introduced to a new character. Let's hear how they're introduced in Street Fighter The Legend of Chun-Li. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, Chris Klein is here playing Nash. Oh, man. And you know what's so crazy here? As soon as Nash gets out of his car, Maya already has this, like, fuck-eyes, giggly, schoolgirl look on her face, like, oh, man, uh, look who's here. Does she know who Nash is? Well, no. We'll about learn here in a second. She doesn't. Uh... But he's like, I'm Interpol, Nash, what do we got here? She turns around to lead the way to take Nash to what they discovered. He gets a nice view of her ass in her leather pants. Camera zooms in. I love this job. Nash walks like he's got something up his ass or he thinks he's the coolest guy at school. He is the coolest guy at school, so I'm assuming something is up his ass. Uh, Maya's like, who are you? Call me Nash. Uh, in this locker or crate here at the docks, the all the heads of the crime family are on a dinner table. Bison had Vega cut off the heads, and here they are. Nash responds, Last Supper, and he serves them their own heads. Hey, tell me something I don't know, Nash. Another ridiculous zoom in on the Nash. You just inherited a big problem. I mean, he's talking to the audience, right? Now that Nash is here, we're all fucked. No! Nash is our savior. Meanwhile, Bison visits Chun-Li's dad. I guess he's not dead. He's just being kept in a very nice dungeon-esque apartment, complete with a huge video wall that shows him a digital view of the city. The thumb drive from Balrog is pictures and audio from Chun-Li's video or piano recital. Oh, that's so sweet. Bison's like, y'all, I sent Vega and Balrog to record it. Can you imagine if he really did say this? We'd smash cut back to the auditorium. Vega is trying to hold the camera, but every time he puts it up to his mask, it makes a clink, and he's got the claw so he can barely hold it. Balrog's like, give me that. He goes to grab the camera, but of course he's got the boxing gloves on, so he can't really hold the camera. Of course, the camera falls and breaks. They pull out another one, and the camera zooms out to reveal that there's a pile of broken cameras at their feet. Oh, But hey, that's not this movie. 
This is the legend of Chun Li. Bison lets Mr. Zhang or Mr. Chun Li know that uh, he's now in control of Shadowloo, and uh, Chun Li's dad is pretty much Bison's guy in the chair from Marvel films. You know, he he does all his tech work, gets him all the intel he needs, and in exchange for this, uh, Bison doesn't kill Chun Li. Well, that's kind of nice of him, actually. But uh, Bison needs info on the families of the Bangkok Board of Property Directors. Man, that bison is evil. He's going to kill people just to get some land. Such a white guy, bad guy thing to do in a movie as well. Bison leaves, and Chun-Li's dad takes a minute to make sure he's out of earshot, and he's like, Damn you, bison! Mr. Chun-Li has no balls, or he would have said damn you to his face. Bison leaves. He tells Balrog, Get get him some more pictures of the girl. Something upbeat this time to keep him happy. (laughs) I'm sure Balrog has a couple of ideas on this one. Uh, Bison then says, everyone has a price, laddie. <laughs> oh, speaking of prices, uh, make sure everyone in Thailand's giving me some gold for me. Lucky charm gold barrel thing here. God, Mick Bison. Um, we then smash cut to a funeral. Mom is dead. And Chun-Li's there with like a fleet of servants, I think. Like how rich are these fucking people? Fuck you, Chun-Li. You deserve to street fight, as I've mentioned earlier. With my mother gone, the path in front of me was empty. I couldn't help feeling like I was being led somewhere new. Wait, you think you, you think that's why someone sent you a mysterious scroll, Chun Li, to lead you or point you in a new direction? Just to make sure she unrolls the scroll to look at it again. And guess what happens as she unrolls it? Ooh. Uh, in order to discover who the scroll's from, we smash cut to the docks or the market area here. And uh, Chun-Li's wandering around with no clue what to do. Uh, it's a good thing, though, that serendipitously, there's a dude with a broom standing in front of Chun-Li. Chun-Li tries to just casually walk past this broom guy, but he starts doing all sorts of broom foo and not letting her pass. She then realizes, along with the audience, that the broom foo expert is the mysterious man from earlier with... The spider web tattoo. Bum, bum, Chun Li is mystified by this mysterious tattoo guy who's a master of broom food, but luckily the antique shop she was going to is just right there, so she's able to go inside. She shows the mysterious shopkeep lady the scroll. As the shopkeep unrolls the scroll, guess what happens? Ooh. The scroll says, well, to find out what the scroll says, you must find Gen. He is the leader of the Order of the Web. He was once a criminal who now protects those he once hurt, and he's in Bangkok. Chun-Li sees the symbol of the Order of the Web, which is just a spider web. The movie insults our intelligence by fucking flashing back to the two moments she saw the web, including the one that happened maybe a minute and seven seconds previously. Uh, Looks like we're heading to Bangkok, folks. And hey, we're there at a huge skyscraper that's identified by on-screen text as the Gangland Homicide Headquarters. A massive skyscraper just for this one division of police. Maya and Nash are walking in. Oh, and Nash has a box of shit in his hands. It looks like he's moving in. We're new roommates. I spent three years chasing Shadowlow. Shadowlow is a myth. No, it's a goddamn investment firm. Those were the heads of the major crime families in Bangkok, and now they're all dead. 
except for one. His name's Bison. Ladies and gentlemen, Chris Klein, the actor, makes a decision. He turns away from Maya and looks pretty much into the camera. Of course, keep in mind, this means in the reality of the film, like you're talking to someone who's right across from you. You look, you turn to your side and launch into a soliloquy to no one. I've tracked him through 11 major cities on four continents and never come close, not once. This guy walks through the raindrop. <laughs> I can't, I can't, hold on. Ahem. This guy walks through the raindrops. <laughs> so where do we start? You don't want a ticket to this dance, detective. Now Maya leans forward here. And by the way, she's wearing a tank top that shows a ridiculous amount of cleavage. Is this the official police uniform of Bangkok gangland homicide investigation? Hmm? You've never seen me dance, Nash. hey You can smell the sexual tension. We are now back at Chun-Li's palatial estate. And you know what, guys? It's time for a real touching moment as she has to say goodbye to her servants. You know, the scroll said she had to leave behind everything she knows. And I don't think this ancient Chinese scroll is going to care if you hold on to this amazing mansion beachfront property and retain your personal servants. I mean, these people got to eat too. She cries when she hugs the oldest one. I guess we'll call him Alfred. I don't really know what else to call him. I guess they have some sort of a relationship. I don't know. It's a really good thing that this isn't Street Fighter, The Legend of Johnny C. Because it would end right here with me putting my feet up, eating a big donut, playing some PlayStation, just hanging out at the fucking mansion, being like, well, it's nice of my parents to leave me this stuff. Hey, Alfred, did you get me a beer? Yeah. All right. That's great. Uh, all right. Internet, Alfred's internet down. I can't get... Okay, it's... No, no, I said it's working! Anywho. uh, Even though she says goodbye to her servants when it's completely broad daylight outside, Chun-Li doesn't decide to leave the mansion until it's nighttime and it's pouring down rain. Because, you know, this way she can leave dramatically. But now we're in Bangkok. All of our main characters are here so we can really get the party started. I had to lose myself to the pulse of the street. <laughs> I had to lose myself to the pulse of the streets. Well, it is street fighting, I suppose. We get a montage of her wandering around. Uh, we see her do some casual street sleeping. Is this street sleeper? No, it's street fighter. God damn it! Life is hard on the streets. Every meal was a gift. Apparently. She's carrying around this little bag. I guess she brought her entire fucking wardrobe because every time we see her in this montage, she's wearing a different outfit. Yeah, life was so hard on the streets that I was able to change outfits every day and shower regularly. We then see some street mugging, but Chun-Li does nothing. Meanwhile, Bison is back at his hideout playing with his little toy map of Bangkok. He tells Balrog, I'm going to own all the slums. No one will get me lucky charms. Uh, Balrog gives him a message about what's called the White Rose, something Bison has been waiting 17 years to get, and orders Balrog to order the Secretary of Commerce to make sure the shipment arrives safely. Also, I got some more bad news, boss. The schoolgirl's missing. That means Chun-Li is in Bangkok. Back on the streets, Chun-Li gets some free food from a nice lady. Street eater? 
Hmm. She watches another mugging. This one is five against one. And decides, I guess because her belly is full, it's time to get involved. And she starts a street fight. Yes! She does Guile's flash kick for some reason. Well, I guess Guile's not here, so somebody's got to do it. She also does the move where, like, Chun-Li has this sweet move where she can bounce against the edge of the screen. I don't know if that makes sense if you haven't played Street Fighter, but she kind of does that by bouncing off the wall here when she gets backed into a corner, much like Baby. So, I give it the benefit of the doubt. They found a way to do it, I suppose. She beats all these guys, but, you know... She's been playing Street Sleeper so much, she passes out as soon as she wins. She doesn't even get to do her, yep, yep, dancing pose. Uh, Gen, I guess, because he's got a tattoo of a web on his hands, rescues her and takes her to a secret hideout. And holy shit, I know I said Gen was Robin Shu, but I don't know if I even mentioned Robin Shu, ladies and gentlemen, played Liu Kang in Mortal Kombat. So he's just fucking, he's a franchise whore, basically. No loyalty to one over the other. He says... My name is Gen. Don't worry, Chun-Li. Well, I'm freaking out because not only does this dude know my name, he took me to his house when I was passed out, but he's got a really fucking ugly trash stash as well. The Order of the Web has been watching you, and I know where your dad is, and you're the only one who can save him. What? What? Why couldn't you do it, Gen? Well, we'll explain, but this guy can do some shit. He could clearly save Chun-Li's dad. Um... Gen says he used to be in Shadowloo, and uh, he gives Chun-Li the rundown of who they are, etc., etc., and he says they have your dad, uh, and he's only working for them to protect you. So, go ahead, join the web. I already know how to fight. So, of course, we smash cut to a scene where he's like, okay, show me what you know, and uh, it's not a fight in the streets either, it's in his hideout, so hideout fighter, I suppose. Now, during this fight, Chun-Li does do her leg sweep from the game. Um, I guess she agrees to train with Gen. They don't really say that. Uh, she's kind. Of, he's like, you have much to learn. And she, like, nods. We immediately cut to Gen on the balcony doing martial arts stances. And he forms a giant white fireball out of nowhere. What? Look. I'm all for the fireballs in Street Fighter, okay? I really am. I want to make that very clear. But this is the most casual reveal of magic powers in cinema history. There have been no context clues to the potentiality of a fireball scenario. And here we are, and it's just happening in front of my eyes. I'm going with it, though. Uh, Gen throws the fireball at the wall. It makes a big boom, and a bunch of shit falls down. And Chun-Li basically is like, where do I sign up? I mean, she doesn't say that, but this is the where do I sign up scene. Um, they do some meditating. He makes another casual fireball, and he's like, man, look at my fireball. Yours is shitty. You don't have any fireball. Hey, it's me, Grandpa from Three Ninjas. I'm back. If you fucking ninjas would have kept training with me, I would have caught you how to throw fireballs, but you didn't. You had to go chase Poon. Come on, Chun-Li. Let's go make fireballs. My, my grandsons can't come play. Uh, but she can't make a fireball, and he's like, you have a long way to go. I guess the way to go was to an internet cafe. I had to find out about Shadaloo. Well, she's either going to do some Google searching and find that they are just legends, because that's what Maya said, or she's going to get linked to their brokerage firm website, because that's what Bison says they are. She looks for about 12 seconds and sees that there's going to be a business meeting held about waterfront property. 
We cut to that meeting. It's a new skyscraper identified as Board of Directors City Hall in Bangkok. A sexy business lady named Katana is here, and she's congratulating the board for clearing their debts and signing over all the land to Bison. And as promised, their children will now be returned. On the news, we hear that the Esperanto Corporation now owns the slums. I guess that's the front company for Shadowloo. I, I guess. I haven't really heard anything of it yet, but here we are. And then some Hummers show up with bison troopers to clear out the slums because they own them now. Now, there's a lot of shit happening here. about Like, this movie has been so slow and so meticulous and done nothing. And here in 45 seconds, they're like ejaculating plot everywhere. And it's just, it's not enough and it's too fast. Much like a Johnny C evening. Anywho, the cops have Katana bugged, I guess. And Balrog tells her he's going to take care of the Minister of Commerce to make sure the White Rose gets imported. I don't know. It's just a lot. Maya comes in, and she's like, Nash, did you hear about the land deal? The Esperado Corporation bought all the waterfront property. Now Nash looks over his shoulder out the window, and the Esperanto building is comically right next to fucking investigation headquarters. And it's just like, Esperanto Corporation on the building. Of course! It's a front for Shadaloo. Bison's bringing crime into the neighborhoods to drive the land value down and buying it back up wholesale. Oh, we got to move on that. <laughs> um, okay, Nash, sure. I mean, I'll go with you on this one. Now, we cut back to the slums, and the bison troops here are having their way with the civilians. And these bison troopers are not nearly as cool as the ones from 94. They don't have the badass red armor. They don't have the skull logo. It's just a disappointment. But I guess they're going to turn this into Bisonopolis. This movie wishes it was a fucking fraction of as cool as Raul Julia was as Bison. That is a fucking performance. Uh, Bison and Balrog are in a limo watching all this chaos. Well, the bulldozers come tomorrow. I'm going to make Baycock great again. Nice homes for those that can afford it. Oh, this has to be Trump's favorite movie then. Uh, Sir... Uh, Mr. President, the election results are in. Leave me alone. Gen's making a fireball. We need that magic. It's huge. Absolutely the biggest, best magic I've seen. Let me tell you, we need to harness the magic fireballs of Gen. Get me the vice president. Bison says he grew up on these exact streets. So not in Dublin, I guess, with Bono? <laughs> Next day, Maya and Nash are on a stakeout. They see Balrog coming out of a building, and Nash is like, Oh, shit, he might see us. Now, Balrog's like 17 miles away, all right? He's, there's no way he can see them. So in order to distract Balrog from looking, what does Nash do? Well, he takes himself some liberties and just starts making out with Maya. We see Chun-Li is also tracking Balrog, and he gets into a car and drives away. Nash, I guess, senses that Balrog is gone, and he stops kissing Maya, but Maya is still sort of leaned back in her chair, accepting the kiss that Nash is no longer giving. She's kind of kissing the air like, ah, ah, I wasn't done. Ah. Uh, it's very funny. That had to be done, Maya. No two ways about it. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, but Balrog goes to talk to the commerce guy and threatens him to bring in the White Rose. Enough detective work, though, because this is street fighting. We need some more training. Again, is training Chun-Li in the art of daredevil fighting because he blindfolds her and uh he's like okay make a fireball bitch <laughs> uh, he doesn't really say that that's awful uh, but again does turn on a casual table saw that's right near the training area and he throws some like ball bearings at bells 
to confuse Chun Li's senses because there's bells or bells will be ringing. Oh, again, and Chun Li in a we're just fucking on Christmas movie? That could be cute. Uh, but Chun Li is able to use her new daredevil senses to catch some of these balls even though her eyes are closed. However, one hits her in the skull and she falls face first into the table saw but catches herself. Now Gen has a sword. I mean, Gen, you're putting a lot of faith in this little rich girl, okay? Like, if she goes into the saw, are you just kind of like comically looking around to see if anyone saw it and then running away? Actually, that would be pretty great. She clamps the sword in between her hands. She doesn't cut herself. And she starts to form a tiny little fireball for just a moment. But the fireball fades away. Gen is content with this level of training for the day and says, Well done. Let's eat. Smash cut to Maya's apartment. She's in the shower. Nash says he got here early, which is code for he got into her calendar and made sure to arrive at the time that was blocked out for shower. Maya also has some gold handcuffs attached to her bedpost. That's cool, man. I'm down with it. Now, the shower water is running when Nash is like, sorry, I got here early. And and they have like a brief I'm in the shower conversation. You've done this. You've been in the shower and tried to communicate with someone. The water's running and you have to yell. And that's how this conversation is. And the water is running. So Maya is clearly in the shower. The shower water stops. Three seconds later, Maya walks out of the bathroom in a pair of jeans, wearing some boots, in her bra, with her makeup completely done. I'm calling shenanigans, but that's okay. You know, what's more egregious, saying that she could have gotten ready in that amount of time, or the casual fireball? Yep, I'm with you. I'm going with no way could she get ready that fast. Um, They need to go to the club tonight to see Katana and find out what she's doing for Bison. Maya's like, well, guess we're going clubbing. And by the way, Nash, there's nothing I won't try once. Grabs the handcuffs and leaves. <laughs> Nash spikes the camera and says, really? Now we're in the club. Well, we're outside the club because Nash and Maya are staking it out. But inside the club, Chun-Li is here and she's uh, following Katana, the gal from earlier. Now, she is wearing, that being Chun-Li, a broke-ass version of her video game outfit. She's wearing like a blue dress with bike shorts underneath because believe me, she's about to get into a fight with a lot of upskirt shots and she wore her bike shorts. And that's fine. Like, I'm not advocating for upskirt fighting, okay? But I find it hard to believe that she would wear the biker shorts underneath. Not to mention, she's about to fight Katana, who's wearing, like, full-coverage black bloomers, which is fine. Like, it's fine, but you wouldn't wear them with that dress because you just don't. I mean, look, I'm kind of into fashion. I'm just saying, like, it. Uh, it's stupid that a little thing like that could take me out of the seat. But, yes, Chun-Li's here. Uh, she sees Katana is watching some girls dance, so Katana likes the ladies. All right. So Chudley hatches a plan. She's going to sexily dance and seduce Katana into a fight. Now, Katana falls for this, and her and Chudley dance center stage in the middle of the dance club floor. Well, the script says they dance. I say they fucking awkwardly thrust their vaginas uh, next to one another because they don't even fucking they don't, this movie doesn't even have the balls to have them grind on one another just like fucking parallel to one another thrusting their vaginas forward like yeah I like you yeah I like you like it's it's so bad like I feel so awkward for these women I really really feel bad uh, Chun-Li beckons Katana to the ladies room 
Katana follows, locks the door. She's ready to do some fuck fighting. But Chun-Li's ready to do some bathroom fighting. And here we go with the bathroom fight. Tell me about the white rose. Oh, you must be the schoolgirl. Punch, kick, punch, kick. Uh, they break a water faucet, so of course water is spraying everywhere as they sexually fight in their clubbing dresses in the bathroom. It's sad. Katana gives up the info about where the White Rose is coming in, and uh, Chun-Li casually breaks her arm and is like, Tell Bison the schoolgirl's all grown up. At this point, the security guards are chasing Chun-Li, and I would like to point out the club is playing a rap song that contains these lyrics. Street, 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 street fighters go to fight on the streets like street fighters. Chun-Li finds the pole dancing room. Uh, She does some pole dancing to dodge bullets. And then she pole dance fights. She then casually kills a dude with his own gun. She kicks him, grabs his own gun, puts it point blank against his heart and pulls the trigger. No bones about it are done. The movie doesn't stop for Chun-Li to be like, Oh my god, I just killed a guy. And hey, you, you gotta do what you gotta do. But remember, she's like the little rich girl. Like, And now she's just casually killing? Whatever. And then the moment comes. She stands up from this casual murder. And she's surrounded by four guys. She stands on her head, shades of a gymnast, spinning bird kick! She does the spinning bird kick. It's pathetic. It's edited terribly. It's like sped up slow motion. It's clearly like 17 different takes edited together as one. You don't even see the lower half of her body. It's just the legs spinning good. Spin, kick, kick, kick. And she's barely making contact. Like I know this is a movie, but that's why you have stunt performers. And if you didn't know she was doing the spinning bird kick, don't worry. Halfway through this spinning bird kick scenario, we smash cut to the necklace dangling from her chest and the bird is flapping its wings on the necklace because of the momentum. She doesn't even yell, spinning bird kick. Boo! Nash is here. He kicks open the door and he's like, don't move or I'll shoot. John Lee's like, fuck you, Nash. She moves. Nash doesn't shoot. He follows her outside and sees Chun Lee leap off of a skyscraper with a huge whoosh sound effect. She lands safely on the ground, completely safe, does the superhero landing, and that is a wrap on the club scene. We cut to the next day, and you know, Bison and Balrog are training together. They're working out, hitting the heavy bags. Balrog's got a mean punch. But then the camera pulls out, and we realize that Bison. Uh, was not hitting a bag like Balrog. He was just casually beating Katana to death. It's actually a very funny reveal. I mean, in context here. I mean, beating someone to death, not funny. Casually doing it when you make it look like you're hitting a heavy bag? Okay, kind of funny. Uh, we got to change our plans, Balrog. Call Vega. Balrog goes to call Vega, I suppose. And Bison, you know, he kisses Katana's corpse, because why not? I mean, he is kind of creepy. Nash and Maya are still trying to figure out who that girl was at the club. Maybe she's an angry stripper. Yeah, an irate pole dancer, not too happy with her tips, sets off Armageddon, keeps spitballing that Maya, I love where your head's at. This girl is off the radar, man. But we did get a good shot of her with the security camera, so let's head to the streets to see if anyone can identify Chun-Li. They won't talk. They're protecting her. You're right, Nash. I know. 
I'm a man. Jen and Chun-Li eat some lunch. Tell me about bison. Gen spills the tea. And folks, I do not mind telling you, pay attention. Apparently, bison and Gen grew up together. Bison is the son of Irish missionaries that died here in Thailand. So I guess this explains the Mick Bison version of bison we've got, I guess. Soon after his parents died, Bison became ill. We now get the wavy lines across the screen and we enter flashback mode. And ladies and gentlemen, Bison was left to die as a baby. We see little baby Bison in a crib crying, indicating that he's sick. So where did this accent come from? Was it perhaps coded into his DNA? I guess. But Bison survived. We then see a teenage Bison in a wife beater uh, stealing from some folks at the docks. It's pretty funny, actually. He became a well-known thief, but he wanted more. So he went to... Ladies and gentlemen, please, please, please pay attention. Bison went to the Dark Caves. And he brought his new wife. Now, as they're walking through the caves, the cave appears to be alive and kind of roars at Bison. So I guess this is where the roaring comes from. But Bison had heard stories about the powers of this cave that can free a man from his conscience. So no more Jiminy Cricket, I guess. I mean, there are easier ways to do this. You just grab yourself a newspaper and smack. No more Jiminy. But he lays his wife down on the rocks. He undresses her sexily. We see that she's pregnant because her belly button's huge and poking out of her stomach. Gen says, and I quote, he had to transfer the goodness of his soul into his unborn daughter. Bison then slams his fist into his wife and bursts through her belly button. Blads, blad, blood splashes everywhere like it's fucking Mortal Kombat. It's all over his face. And we then hear on the soundtrack Bison like ripping her fucking stomach apart. And then we hear a little tiny baby cry. Kind of sounds like an insect chirping. He then holds the bloody baby and stares into her eyes. And boom! No more conscience. I have so many questions from this. But when you really break it down, this is the most important question. Does this crazy soul ritual give Bison the ability to do the Psycho Crusher? That move is so cheap, and I used it all the time while playing Street Fighter 2. We cut back to Gen and Chun-Li discussing this, and Chun-Li's like, Yeah, Gen, that, that totally makes a lot of sense, actually. Gen then sends her to the grocery because he hears some tire screeches, which means they're coming to Gen, and he's like, Chun-Li, I have a very important mission for you. Go to the grocery. She does. Balrog shows up. He's got a bunch of troops. Um, he casually fires a missile into the house, and it explodes. Michael Clark Duncan does do a great evil laugh, and we get a tremendous shot of Chun-Li getting rocked by the explosion, carrying a bag of groceries. Chun-Li sees the fire, the apartment is all blown up, and she's like, oh no, my clothes were in there! She goes inside, she doesn't see Gen, but she does see his medallion, and she tries desperately to cry on cue for the cameras. Meanwhile, at Fort Bison, Vega is finally back after his brief appearance. He has his mask off, but we don't see his face. Bison's like, I need you to kill a schoolgirl. And Vega's like, oh, God, that sounds amazing. Because this is a horny fucking Vega, all right? This Vega is clearly a molester Vega. Back at police headquarters, Nash is hacking the web and apparently talking to himself because it's very late at night. He's hacking away. He sees an article about Chun-Li's dad, and he's like, you got ghosts 
Let's see him. He finds a picture of Chun-Li, but he calls her Chun-Li? It's pretty glorious. Back on the streets, Chun-Li, even though the, everything was burned up in a fire, she somehow has a brand new outfit of like all black tactical gear, and she's being hunted. You can hear Vega hunting her like a sex predator because he's breathing really hard and being like, ay, 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 ay. Chun-Li heads for the roofs, and she starts leafing over them like she's Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man to evade. But Vega, much like Batroc, is a leaper, and he leaps to the roof, and here we go for roof fighting. Uh, Vega, like I said, is breathing really hard and creepy here. Uh, they fight for like 10 seconds. Chun-Li kicks him, and Vega rotates in the air like 17 times, and it makes a little whooshing corkscrew sound like whoosh, whoosh, He does claw some of her hair out, and, you know, rubs it against himself, and is like, oh, God, that feels good. Um, his mask eventually gets kicked off, as as does with Vega. Um, Chun-Li sees by her feet, we've got some saw blades just free and clear, casually laying on the rooftops, so why not use them like ninja stars? She does. Uh, Vega's face gets all cut up. He's yelling on the ground, clearly dubbed with some ADR. He's like, you bitch! I'll cut you! I'll kill you, you bitch! You know, Vega and Chun-Li fight in the animated movie, and aside for the fact that she's half-naked most of the time, and I was a teenager watching it, it's actually a pretty good fight. This is pathetic compared to that. She easily dispatches him and hangs him upside down off the building. I don't think he's dead, because he's like, as he hangs down. And folks, that's exit on Vega. What a waste. I mean, this whole movie is a waste, but what a waste of a decent character. Chun-Li goes to the docks, beats up a guy... And like, when's the white rose coming? Where is he? Where's the trigger? And the guy's like, midnight, tonight. Nash shows up at the police station because it's the morning and that's what you do. You go to work and nobody's hardly there. Hey, Maya, you forget to pay the rent? Maya's like, orders came down from up top, man. We're not allowed to investigate anymore. Wow, Bison's paws really run deep here in Bangkok. So that's it, Maya? I'm sorry, Charlie. It's now night at the harbor. Chun-Li is there to intercept the White Rose, but it's a setup. All the bison troopers arrive. They beat the shit out of her. Bison finally shows up. They meet again face-to-face because, you know, they met when she was a kidster. The lion roars off camera, and she gets taken to an undisclosed location where she's tied to a chair. They bring in her daddy. Oh, they're reunited, and it feels so good. Papa's like, oh, Chudley, I'm sorry. I really am sorry for all this. Bison shows up and he's like, well, 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 isn't this lovely? Ma, Papa and daughter united again. You know, there's nothing a father wouldn't do for his daughter. But I'm afraid I got some bad news for you. You know, your father has been the milk of my business. But even milk has an expiration date. And next nap. Daddy is dead. Bison and Balrog leave, uh, assuming some thugs will kill Chun-Li without any problems. Well, guess what? They have problems. Chun-Li gets free from her rope tied. She's, like, hanging upside down. They do a rope fighting scene. It's really fucking stupid. She gets out to the streets. Balrog is pursuing her. Balrog is about to shoot her when a kid runs in front of her. Chun-Li's like, no! And she takes a bullet for the kid. The citizens of Bangkok see that Balrog is shot at a child. And they revolt against him. They start throwing, like, vegetables at him. It's like Batman Returns with the penguin, 
Why is it somebody always brings tomatoes to a speech? And Balrog's like, let's get the fuck out of here. Chun-Li wanders into a Bangkok alley to die. She slides down against the wall, just ready to die. Uh, there's a big fire in the middle of this alley for some reason. And wouldn't you know, Gen casually walks out of it like, don't worry, I'm still alive. He takes her to a new hideout. We cut to Chun-Li in a tub, topless. And, and, and you know, we, we're not seeing anything, but she is topless, which is fine. Like, we need to get less uptight about nudity. Like, it's not that big a deal. There's some, it's all medicine here, you know, because he's going to operate on. He's like, let's sew you back up. Gen goes to sew her back up while naked. And God damn it, wouldn't you know, he just hovers his hand over her bullet wound and it magically heals up. Just some casual fucking naked tub magic. Okay, whatever. That's fine. That's fine. He's like, we just have a little bit more training to do. They both, we, we cut to them training. They're both finally able to make fireballs. Gen's like, good. Now let's go find the white rose. It's time to end this fucking movie. We go back to the docks. She gets the same information from the same guy. The guy's like, I'm sorry, they made me set you up. Here's the real time the White Rose is coming in. We smash cut to what's identified on screen as the Interpol safe house, and Nash is just pouring himself a few, getting loaded. Chun-Li casually walks in like they've been buddies the entire time. She's like, well, the White Rose is coming in tonight. I'm going to need some backup. Nash is like, fuck yeah, you are. Nash and Interpol and all the cops are at the docks. Maya shows up with a bunch of cops. And Nash is like, well, I thought you weren't supposed to help. But she's like, it's cool. We all grew up here. We want to help. I'm like, you all grew up here? Okay, whatever. Nash is clearly horny and happy. And you know what? If Nash is happy, I'm happy. Bison's army finally arrives. Balrog's like, I don't think we're alone. But don't worry about it, Mr. Bison. We're prepared for company. As soon as he says this, something in the uh, hideout where the cops are starts beeping. And Nash sees it. He's like, it's a bomb! Everybody out! Everybody runs. Nash is the last guy out because he's a hero. We get one of the worst jumping away from an explosion in cinema history. It's a green screen jump. But Nash is okay, so I'm not worried about it. Him and Maya bust out their guns. They casually kill a shit ton of troops. Chun-Li and Gen are here. They're helping too. Gen fights his way onto a boat. So does Chun-Li. Chun-Li finds a Russian girl who's like, Where's my papa? I want my papa. She's like, Stay here. I'll help you. Balrog and Gen fight. Balrog has a gun during this fight. He's he's wearing gloves, but it's not boxing gloves. So boo, because this is clearly his last appearance. Uh, Gen gets tossed into some oxygen tanks. Hey, another movie with ninjas and oxygen tanks. It's a fucking uh, TNN staple. Balrog lets it slip that the White Rose is the little girl. Uh, Nash is ordering the troops outside to kill Bison's troops. He's just a beast out here. He's like, you guys, go that way. You stay here. You come with me. Let's go. He is truly cinema's greatest action hero. Nash sees that a helicopter is flying away. He's like, that's Bison. He grabs a little walkie-talkie and utters the greatest line in cinema history. Get me a trace on that helicopter. Nash out. Yes! Nash out. One of the original internet memes for me anyway. I've casually said Nash out like a trillion times. You know, you're hanging up with your buddy. All right, I'll see you there. Nash out. Or something really bad's happening. You're just like, you know what? I feel like I'm going to Nash out when you get really angry. 
I fucking love it. Uh, Gen kills Balrog by impaling him with a pipe. He says, let out some steam, Bennett. Oh, wait, that's Schwarzenegger in Commando. Never mind. Gen tells Chun-Li that the White Rose is that little girl. It's Bison's daughter. She's his only weakness, he says with a straight face. Nash now has his own helicopter. Still has the walkie-talkie. I'm going to need support when we get there. Nash out. Yeah, he said it again. Nash, Chun-Li, Gen, and a couple troopers get into this helicopter. It's time to storm Shadaloo headquarters and actually end the movie. Bison is there with his daughter. He creepily talks to her and rubs her face. The heroes break in. Chun-Li again does a flash kick. I guess. Nash shoots a couple of dudes in the head casually. God, I love you, Nash. Gen finds Bison's toy map room. Uh, We hear a lion roar, so Bison must be close. Hey, here's an interesting detail. In the toy room, there is a massive mural of a bowl. Just hanging on the wall. You know, like a bison. Bison's like, well, again, my old friend, it's time to fight. They fight. Bison has, like, super strength, super punches, but he doesn't do the Psycho Crusher, so fuck you, Bison. Nash rescues the White Rose. Bison finds out that the Rose has been taken, and he's pissed. He goes down to a room. He's like, ah! Gen shows up in this room, even though Bison just left him beat for death in the toy room. They fight again. Bison roars some more. They fight to the outside. Chun-Li makes the save on a zipline. Shades of the Heartbreak Kid Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 12. She beats Bison with a bamboo pole for a really long time. She does a shitty version of the lightning kick, like kicking him really fast. Bison, whenever he yells and falls to the ground, he's like, his yells are in Irish. It's pretty funny. Uh, Chun-Li does a super hurricane rana. Bison doesn't do any video game moves. He does do a fierce, like, super punch where he roars like a lion finally on screen. And then he starts to monologue. But Chun-Li makes some sandbags fall on him. Gen's like, Chun-Li, you know what to do. She knows indeed. She puts her hands in formation. She moves. A fireball begins to form. She's doing it. It's almost there. Yes! The fireball is fully formed. She throws it. She does not yell. The fireball hits Bison. Bison goes flying a country mile off of a scaffold. Uh, He's dangling off of another scaffold now. Rose, his daughter, is here watching this entire final confrontation. Chun-Li jumps down. That's what I'm trying to say. She lands on Bison's head with her feet wrapped around his neck. She flips over, breaks the neck... Ends where she started, standing on top of Bison. It's a fantastic neck snap, to be honest with you. All in front of his daughter, and nobody cares. The fucking streets have made Chun-Li hard, and I'm here for it. Nash is like, Chun-Li, let's go, before the real cops show up. Chun-Li and uh, Nash have a tender moment on the beach. He's like, hey, you better get out of here before the cops come. Don't worry, I never saw you. Sure, he probably just wants to take all the credit, but fine with me. Nash has earned it. The cops show up. Hey, all right, Charlie Nash, Interpool, hold your fire. And that ends the final battle. Just a few wrap-up moments. We're back at the police building. Nash and Maya have to say goodbye. He lets her go, knowing that there's no woman that can truly contain the passion of the Nash. She walks away, tight pants, 
love this job, he says. And that is exit on Nash. Nash, I love you, buddy. Thank you for this performance. Chun-Li visits her parents' grave and finishes her voiceover narration. He would have been proud. She leaves the spinning bird kick necklace at his grave. I found something to believe in. The Order of the Web. She goes to her home. Alfred is gone. But Gen is here. He says there's more work to be done. Ladies and gentlemen, one of the worst sequel setups in history is about to take place. Worse even than Super Mario Brothers. You're not going to believe this. He hands Chun-Li a newspaper article. Something in this article smells of an old friend. Chun-Li reads the newspaper article. I paused it. I wrote it down verbatim. It's a tiny advertisement in a newspaper. It says, Street Fighter Tournament. All fighters welcome. You know who you are. And you know where to go. But Gan, Bison is dead. Yes, but we need to recruit some more fighters to the Order of the Web. There's been talk about a fighter in Japan. Ryu. I hear he's a force to be reckoned with. Wanna come? Chun-Li thinks. Spikes the camera. And is like, no, no, I'm good. No sequel for me. We zoom in on her face. She's smiling. We fade to black. The stupid scroll logo from before. Chun-Li, Street Fighter, returns. There's no, oh, even though there's a scroll. And the movie ends. Woo! Man, okay. What an awful fucking movie. But, is it junk, or is it not junk? Hmm. You know, it's junk, but... But, I'm going to go on record. It's worth watching for the awful special effects, or, you know, like fighting effects, special effects. It's worth it to experience for yourself what it feels like to be watching a movie and have some casual magic fireballs show up without explanation. And... As to the surprise of no one, it is absolutely worth it to see the Oscar-worthy performance of Chris Klein as Nash. But, unfortunately, this is the only film in the world with a Charlie Nash in it. But don't worry. Here on the new TNN, we will continue to review bad movies on Junkman and continue to stream forward with all of our fantastic programming. I'll tell you what. I love the fact that we now have a show completely dedicated to movies because it's an outlet I've desperately wanted. And and how often do you get to have like an hour and a half long conversation with yourself about Nash? Good times to be found here on the new TNN. But new times, we want to keep having them, so make sure you subscribe to the new TNN so you get notified whenever new content drops. And if it wasn't clear, watch this movie. It's worth it. I'm Johnny C. A winner is you, and we are Pop Nash out.